0: Today's reading comes from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 through 6. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place. But instead let there be thanksgiving for you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous that is an adult idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of christ and god let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of god comes upon the sons of disobedience this is the word of the lord please be seated all right thank you james um i don't know why he chose that passage we're in psalms this morning um man i know just kidding thank you james um for leading us through that um My name is Dave, as I said, if you walked in in the last few minutes, I think I forgot to say this on the, um, you know, earlier, I have a speech impediment, and so I just want to let you all know uh, that and know what that is, is it kind of comes in and out as I talk. Um, It has nothing to do with the heavy subject that we're talking about this morning. So anyway, just so you know uh, what that is, um. On that note, though, I do want to say most of the front row is wide open, and it's honestly cooler up here, up front, okay? It is um, not like metaphorically cooler, but actually physically, uh, temperature-wise. But honestly, um, Jake prayed earlier about the temperature. I just want to acknowledge, I feel like when we acknowledge it, it helps a bit, right? I know not that much. It's not like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I just feel cool. But um, I know it's been hot the last few weeks, and we've been talking with the school to District back and forth over email and different things, and they 're working on it, um, but it 's like Jake shared earlier, like thirteen schools in this school district, which is massive don 't have see by all means anyone else who wants to come up in, in the front row do it um, it is cooler but um but but on that uh, again, just we 're one of those schools that they have some air, but it 's not all working, especially in the hallways it 's been apparently like glistering hot all week. So anyway, I want to just let you know about that and invite you, perhaps even when we pray or whatever, move on up. Um, also, let's go ahead and turn together in, um, in Ephesians, we are actually in Ephesians, uh, chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. If you have a Bible with, uh, with you, um, turn there. And if you don't have one with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, all right? And somebody will get you a copy of God's Word. E- En español si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor levanta su mano y diga español y si no tiene una So, again, uh, if you don't own a Bible, you do now, okay? Please keep this. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word they can read and understand and follow along with, all right? Before we pray, I want to give another little disclaimer um, that I did to I I shared with a couple of um, people on their way in. That as you saw there from the scripture reading this morning is um, a bit more of a PG-13 subject. Not because we're going to go out of our way to make it that, but as we read God's word and we believe that it is His full counsel um, to us that we um, that we're gonna we're gonna handle God's word as He has given it to. Us and we're not going to shy away from hard subjects, whatever that means. And in this case, this morning, um, we're talking about sexual immorality and, and God's design, and 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 really talk very candidly about the world that we're in right now and where. Um, many of us find our place uh, this morning. So I just want to give you a heads up. If you have young kids in here, which we love, we encourage, you know, we encourage parents to disciple and lead their kids and however, you know, makes most sense and, and, and however you feel led this morning, kind of consider yourself warned a bit that uh, we're going to be diving into um, more like we've joked about this before, more like 1980s PG-13. All right. It's a little, little more than Today, they had a little less of a filter than than they do now. Any 80s uh, kids in here? Amen. All right. So with that, um, let's go ahead and get into our time in God's Word this morning, and let's pray that His Spirit will oversee it. Yeah, Lord, again, we thank You for Your Word. We we agree, as Your Word says in um, Isaiah 40, Lord, that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God endures forever. Lord, we pray that... And for many of us, life, circumstances, context that we find ourselves in are, are um, up and down and seemingly unpredictable in every way, and, and, and yet we can find great comfort in knowing that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, Lord, that you will never leave us for, nor forsake us. And, again, God, that your word, though everything else seems changing and fleeting, is consistent. So, Lord, we pray that we would come humbly this morning and expectantly. Lord, I even pray supernaturally that, that the heat in here, that the, the um, temperature would not be a distraction. And, again, that we would be able to, to walk with you as your people and to respond accordingly however you would lead. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, how many of you know this guy up here on the screen, right here, right there? Fred Rogers. You might be struggling right now to connect the dots of what we're gonna be talking about and how we're, why we're talking about this guy. Well, um, Mr. R- Rogers, um, some of you younger people maybe have heard of Daniel Tiger. Um, he's not the real thing. All right. Daniel Tiger hijacked that whole concept from Mr. Rogers. All right. Um, he was first. So Mr. Rogers had this, um, really in many ways, you would call it a m- ministry. He had a program that ran for over 30 years. Um, and his whole backstory is incredible. Even as I looked into it, I would encourage you to watch the documentary that just uh, came out about him and about what he did and how groundbreaking everything that he did was. All right. There were, Just a couple things I saw. First of all, some of you guys maybe like me have heard all these different things, and I just want to help debunk many of them. Some people said, oh, he did what he did because he was a convicted convicted felon, and he had to, you know, this was his kind of, his, his punishment, um, all these different things, or he was a former Navy SEAL or like a Marine force recon. None of that's true. Um, all right. He's just a good guy. And, um, he was a follower of Jesus and he wanted to help bring the good news of Jesus and transform community and culture and homes specifically by ministering to young people. And a lot of things he did were groundbreaking. Okay, he had people of color on his show consistently, um, which was very countercultural in its day. And he communicated, this is my neighbor, all right? Mr. McFeely was one guy's name. And even there, I found, like, people try to go off and make these really despicable claims even about his name, which even that happened to be actually Mr. Rogers M- Middle name, actually, because from his grandfather. So again, even things like that, you see where just culture at large just takes good things and distorts. And, and so anyway, he had a lot of incredible messages that he wanted to communicate. In fact, a couple of quotes I'll just share that, that he had that were groundbreaking was this. He said, love, and I can't do his vo- voice, but if you have ever heard him before, picture his very soothing voice. Love is at the root of everything all learning, all relationships, love, or the lack of it. And then he also said the greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they are loved and capable of loving. And something, right, he communicated a lot with his words, but he also communicated intentionally, very intentionally with what he did at the beginning of every show. Again, if you could go back there to his picture, you see, he's doing something right. He's not just holding his arm up like working out his arm or something. Every show, he would come in and he'd be wearing his like sp- his his coat, like a sp- sports coat, and he'd have his you know d- dress shoes on. And then he'd come in and he'd kind of interact with the with the camera and he'd say hello. And then while he was talking, he would communicate something. He would take off his sports coat and his dress shoes, and he would usually keep his tie on which again it was just a different era he was in Pittsburgh by the way but those were his kind of chill clothes if you will he kept his tie on but he put on a sweater and he put on tennis shoes every single show without uh, exception this is something that he did and he was communicating intentionally this is a safe place I'm comfortable you can be comfortable too Though your neighborhood in re- reality might be difficult, might be a struggle, might be broken, this is a safe place, right? You can, you can trust me. And, and so he would communicate that. And again, with his, with his tone of voice, everything like that, he communicated something, right? He put something off and he put something on. And if you've been with us for the last n- number of weeks, the same theme has been coming up time and time again. If you are a follower of Jesus, You are no longer who or what you used to be before you put your faith in him. But but this encouragement, not just with physical clothes, but in every facet of life that we would put off the old and put on the new. Okay, that if you have put your trust in Jesus, you are, you are a new creation, or the language that is used, you're born again, or you're regenerate. You have a new heart, and so your life is called to look like that. This isn't just an intellectual, ethereal thing, but an actual, like in the same way that he wanted to communicate, not just with his words, but with his actions, with his life, putting off the old and putting on the new. Similarly, as followers of Jesus, we are called to put off the old and put on the new. That if you trust Christ, if you have given your life to him, not just as Savior, but as, as Lord, right? He rules and reigns over all things, and your life falls under him and his authority and his rule over all things, then, then your life should look like this, okay? So put on um, Christ, put on Christ's likeness, and this is what that life looks like. So just where we were last week, um, we, we looked at specifically this, this idea. I'll just read again in chapter 5, verses one And two says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, right? You're no longer enemies, but now children of God. And then it goes on and says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, right? Put off anger, put off malice, put off spite, put off constantly clashing with everyone, with God and with his people everywhere and put on love, walk in love, And then connected to that, this morning we look at this next verse, goes right into, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Okay, this idea of the saints is you are set apart. You are a follower of Jesus. You are a called out one. All right, you are, he has called you to follow him. So now um, sexual immorality, hear me, okay, Look, look, look at me, sexual immorality is an enemy of love, all right? If you follow through this and you track this, is God is saying, put on love as God has loved you. And in uh, 1 John, I think chapter four, I don't have it up here, but we're we're told what love looks like. It says, love is not that we loved God, but that he first loved us and sent his son to die for us. So in the very essence of love, love is self-giving, is self-sacrificing. All right, so what we see this morning, all right, what we need to walk away from here with the big idea, and we're going to kind of go through a journey. We're going to kind of wander as we walk through what does sexual immorality look like? What does that mean for our context? All these things. Um, the, the, the big idea that we need to see th- is this, okay? is Again, because you're a follower of Jesus, put off sexual immorality and greed and put on love and thanksgiving because Christ has given everything for you and to you. All right, and so as we, as we, as we walk through that together and we, um, let's just again pick up with me in verse, we're gonna actually read verses three and five. This doesn't go kind of point by point by point. Um, this uh, has some similar themes connected. So read with me in verse three and then I'll also read verse five. Again, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And then down in verse five, he says again, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So this word that's used in both places there is not one that we use a ton in our day, right? Covetous, right? That's not like, perhaps you've been around church enough and you've heard this, right? Thou shalt not covet, shall not covet. And on that note, anytime you use the word thou and shall, it probably is a good indicator that we don't use that in our everyday language, right? If the, what comes to mind when you hear covet, I guarantee you, if you were whatever, Jay Leno or David Letterman, that shows my age. I forget who's the new guys are, Jimmy Fallon, whatever. If you were to go out and do an interview out on the street, right? And you said, what comes to mind when you hear covet, I guarantee you it would be the 10 commandments and thou shall not covet, right? But no one would even know what that means. Right? So what does covet mean? Well, first of all, what um, we see with the Ten Commandments, this is from Exodus and also Deuteronomy, is that uh, Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 is that covet, all right, this word covet is, is, is really coming back to ingratitude, selfishness, and greed. And in fact, in the Ninth Commandment, it's just more broad. Thou shalt not covet. Right? Do not covet. And then in the 10th commandment, it's that same idea, but it goes further. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. All right, so first let me say about that, that ninth one, okay, covet. Selfish greed, ingratitude is this. And this could, um, we could talk about any number of subjects under the sun right now, right, of coveting. We could talk about finances. We could talk about um, privilege. We could talk about relationships. We could talk about our Possessions, we could talk about how we spend our time, right? We could talk about all kinds of about looks, whatever it might be. It's looking at something or someone else or some other context and saying, if I had that, my life would be better. Okay, it's saying, it's saying whatever they have, I don't really care about them, but I wish I had that. And in some Cases even, how can I, how can I like, trample on them or on their circumstances and get what they have to make my life better? Okay, it's looking through the lens of me. What makes me better? What's going what's gonna to improve my status or my situation? So again, I just want to hear this case. We do talk about sexual immorality this morning because that's where we are in God's word. Covetousness, um, a, a good exercise is to watch, if you're watching TV in commercials, Just ask the question, what are they trying to sell me? And tell me if I had that, I would be happier. It's every single commercial, there's something. There's some message. If you use this shampoo, not only would your hair look like that and all of a sudden, but you would look like that. And your spouse would look like that. And you'd drive that kind of car. And you're, you know, and you were just sold these messages. And this is this is feeding into this idea of covetousness. Okay, again, just before we move on, you can see there that. In verse 5, it's connected. It says, covetous, which is idolatry. Again, idolatry in in short is is anything that God has provided is, is taking often a good thing and making it an ultimate thing. Okay, again, taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing. Or taking a gift and replacing the gift giver with the gift. Okay, that's idolatry idolatry it's not just little statues or things like that okay it's anything that we would take often good things and orient our lives around right that we would kind of kind of circle ourselves around and orient everything about us so now getting back to this in this context i do believe specifically and i've read different things that this is specifically when it talks about coveting is talking about sexual immorality this is more connected to that 10th commandment thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife and again, in that day when those were given, this is talking about all different kinds of sexual immorality. And it just is kind of summed up in don't covet your neighbor's wife. But this is talking about any kind of sexual identity, um, practice, experience um, that, that would be um, outside of God's provision for you. All right, the, the word that's used here in, these, in, in this context talking about sexual immorality is the Greek word is cornea. You could probably have a pretty good guess where, what words we get connected from that, right? Pornography, porn, right, from pornea. And this is, this is um, far reaching, it's not just talking about, because right, this is like 2,000 years ago, if you didn't know, they didn't have like, internet yet. Um, some of you guys can't even fathom that. Uh, I grew up in a house, we didn't have internet. <gasps> like, can you believe it? Until I was like, out of college, I think, did I have it actually in my house. Um, so yeah, again, there's a little bit of a generational gap between some of us in here. Okay, so this idea though of, of, of pornea is far reaching sexual immorality of every kind. Now before we continue on here, I want to say something again for a moment, because some of you maybe that are new to church, or you don't, you know, come here often, or you just, or you hear like, oh, how predictable, right? Now is where we hear sex is bad, and sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and whatever else, and you know that stuff's bad, and and, in the church you kind of get wagging fingers, and we don't talk about this, and so the whole big idea this morning is don't have sex, don't talk about sex, um, unless you know some something happens, and you happen to just. need to have kids, and then maybe then, but that's it, and that's just kind of the, or this is church, right? We don't, we don't talk about this stuff. That couldn't be further from the truth, okay? Here, like, Paul clearly does not say sex is bad or sex is dirty, all right? That is not the message here at all in scripture. Sex, sexual intimacy is a gift from God, all right? I, I just want us to be clear here. Um, God designed um that sex would not just be for procreation all right he could have done that and not um had there be orgasm connected with it all right i want to just be right like kind of straight talk here right god that's god's idea god god designed sexual intimacy for for pleasure for worship within the context and the confines that he has given it to be experienced and yet, distortion in the world, which is, again, sin, sin is not God, is not the way God designed things to be, has, has distorted everything. One, one author and pastor describes it this way, as, as specifically with this is counterfeit. It looks like the real thing. It promises to deliver like the real thing, but it's fake, it's a distortion. It ultimately will not um, will not produce what it promises to produce. Okay, so again, this is the whole story. Okay, by the way, of God is that God created us to know Him, to love Him, to delight in Him. Um, that before sin entered into the world, there was the man and wife were naked and unashamed. All right, and, and, and a couple people in here just got ma- married. A couple other are gonna get married. One couple who's here, I think, are getting married tomorrow, right? There's some really exciting things here going on and often connected with that is in in. J- Genesis chapter 2, God, right, the Father, when he presents the bride, the first bride Eve, and walks her down the aisle, um, Adam it delights. He actually sings a song and rejoices. And it's this incredible, beautiful um, moment, right? And God says, you know, be fruitful and multiply. And again, they're naked and unashamed, and there is there is intimacy and there's beauty. And yet, yet the counterfeit message, which is always there in all kinds of different things, different different aspects of life spe- specifically with regard to sexual immorality is this. Well, not the way God designed it, right? Like there's probably a shortcut you could take. There's an easier route. Oh, you want it right now and you want it in this way? Well, here's a way you can do that, right? You don't need God. You could kind of leave in there. You could make it all about you. You could depend on you and, and you could have it this way. You could have it your way, right? McDonald's isn't, didn't come up with that, right? Satan did. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Okay, amen from some of our crunchy granola people in here. We're in downtown Tucson, by the way. We can hate on McDonald's a little bit, which we frequent often, all right? We live in Midtown, so we're not worried about that. But, um, but honestly, like, it's this counterfeit, this, this lie and sexual immorality. Okay, sex is not bad, is not dirty, is not something God shies away from, all right? He wrote the Song of Solomon. Okay, again, this is God's idea, but sexual immorality Is destructive. Is a lie. It's saying you could have it this way. It doesn't need to be about you, um, or it it, it doesn't need to be about your relationship with anyone else. It doesn't even need to be connected with God. You could kind of keep it in the shadows and just go off and and just kind of meet your own needs, however you want. And again, that's the enemy of love. God demonstrates His love for us and that He gives of Himself when we're not deserving. Okay, love and sexual intimacy are designed by God to be for God's glory, others' good, and our joy in the way that he designed it to be. But sexual immorality says, no, no, you don't need to worry about anyone else. You can trample on someone else. It's not about love. It's not about, it's not about self-sacrifice. It's all about whatever meets your need. But again, let me say clearly, it's the enemy of love. All right, just to, to help put this hammer home for a minute, Okay, love, right? When you think about love, loving God, loving others, even well, loving yourself, let's, let's help this sink in a bit for how sexual immorality is completely contradictory to that, right? I don't have the list up here, but I have six ways that we see that, 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 that sexual immorality is unloving, all right? And I'll just give them on the front end. It's not loving God, it's not loving yourself, it's not loving other people, it's not loving um, any one present or future, future spouse. It's not loving to whole communities, especially to children. And then it's not loving to the people participating in the industry. Right? It's not loving to God. Again, c- covetousness is this. It's saying, in short, God, whatever you've provided and how you've provided it is not enough. God, you're not a good creator. You're not a good gift giver. Um, I have needs. Okay. This is whether you're single, you're married, wherever context of life you find yourself in it's sexual immorality saying, I'm going to define how I, how I am satisfied and pleased and, and who I relate with and how I relate with them in my own way in, in, in any context is saying, God, whatever you said and whatever you designed, um, I have real needs and they need to be met. And I don't trust in your timing or in your provision. I'm going to, I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to get my own right now. It's not honoring or loving toward God. It's not honoring or loving toward yourself. Okay, we could walk through this in so much, but just, again, I, I will tell you, I don't know that I've ever seen an interview or certainly had a personal experience where someone just said, man, my, my, my use of pornography and my opening Pandora's box and just diving in head, head first to, to sexual immorality, they wouldn't say sexual immorality, right? Whatever it is, has just left me more satisfied and in a better place. Okay, study after study, interview after interview, it's just proven right that um one famous guy a a singer actually he had the interview so i can say his name john mayer who wrote a lot of songs and talked a lot about sex and you know love and bodies being wonderlands and um all these different things and he um in an interview, he talked about his frequent use of pornography and how he would prefer that over physical interaction because he knows how to meet his needs better and he can just kind of go through the menu and consume however he would want. And in that, throughout the course of these interviews, it reveals he's not happy. That's not, that's not good for him. It's not loving to God or to yourself or to the other person. Okay, again, we could spend time, a lot of time on this, but just consider it, walk through it thinking, man, if, if, you're, if you're giving of yourself or you're taking of someone else, um, whether it's on a screen or in the backseat of a car, it, it, it's not loving that person. It's not saying, like, those aren't the people you invite to your wedding, right? You don't, and they don't invite you to their wedding. If, if they do, it's awkward, right? perhaps, and I just want to keep saying this as we go, um, Jesus is making all things new. Okay, so I, I'm kind of having to walk this dance here, this this tightrope of this heaviness and this weight and this truth, but also the good news of Jesus that that we are never beyond a point of his redemption and restoration. But with that, here's the deal. You don't, just, you don't just wake up and land there, all right? He takes you there through the brokenness and through the pain and through genuine confession and repentance, okay? So as we're walking through this, we need to feel the weight of what's going on here and what we're, what we're seeing. It's not loving toward you, number three, or even number four, again, connected to it, your current or future or their current or future spouse, all right. Hopefully, we all agree on that, right? Like, you're not gonna go up and be like, "Hey, let me introduce you to this person." Right? I used to hook up with them, kind of, you know, nickmo, whatever, non-committal non-committal makeout, and we just used to do that. And now, now, hey, oh, good. Well, let's go out for coffee. I wanna wanna be friends with you, right? Like, it, that's just not reality, right? But again, we don't walk down this road and acknowledge like that's I, like, I know people and have been in experiences in relationships where this is true. Right By God's grace and his good news, you, he can restore. But, but man, it'd be a lot easier if we considered on the front end the uh, destruction of sexual immorality. How unloving it is toward God, toward ourselves, toward the other person, toward um, a current or future spouse. And then on a broader spectrum, uh, toward the community as a whole. All right, or even toward children more specifically. But let's for a moment, okay, again, acknowledge we often talk about sexual immorality in the context of like me, right? What I'm doing, what I've done, like it's all it only affects me. Man, I feel guilty about this, and I should get and we kind of walk through it in this way, but it has far-reaching destructive impact on whole communities. All right, and it's just true. Like society is far more broken. There's far more evil. Just an example to connect the dots. I'm fairly confident in this, that human trafficking, sex trafficking would be far lower where pornography consumption and use was far lower, right? Let's let's let it hit home a little bit more because perhaps for some of us, the families that we come from, the homes that we grew up in, or for some of us, Um, the homes that we now currently have, where there's consistent pornography consumption and use and sexual immorality of any kind, the home suffers. The children suffer, sometimes without even knowing, all right? Let's just, again, let's kind of connect these dots for a a moment. Say a mom or a dad, all right? And I want to be clear here. This is equal opportunity, all right? This isn't like the men's sermon, by the way right? Like this is men and women, this is all of us, and wherever it is, if there's sexual immorality in some form, and, and, and then you, you go and engage your kids, it's not, like they might not even know why, but there's a weight that they're feeling, they're experiencing. There's a context now in the home, and the dynamic. There's a, a, there's a, there's a, 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 a relational distortion that families, that kids are experiencing, and even if they don't know where it's coming from or can't even name it, And then as is often the case, kids eventually sniff it out, find it out. Many, many kids' first exposure to pornography is on mom or dad's phone or back in the day in mom or dad's closet, kind of discovered this apparently well-hidden kind of secret that now completely rewrites the trajectory of somebody's life. It has far-reaching implications. And then number six on the people in the industry, right? This is something we don't think about or talk about enough that, man, on the other side of the screen, or if you're at a you know, s- strip club or a bar or something like that, people just think, oh man, well, they're making a lot of money or it's, no one's getting hurt, it's l- 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 legal. There's even signs like out on the streets, like welcoming, everyone's, everyone's accepting and compl- complicit here, right? There's no one's harm. That's just not true. All right, I've gotten to talk with and, and 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 know people who have who have walked through um, people right here at the U of A, young young people who have who have thought, man, this is a good way to make a quick buck, and then years down the road, there's addiction, there's there's brokenness, there's shame. All right, it is not a v- 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 victimless crime. Amen. Right, just again, like consider for a moment, like just to, like just consider, right, you're a mom or a dad, you're at something like that, you're at a club or you're looking at pictures. Don't you think when you have children who now are the same age as the people you're looking at, that's going to interfere with your relationship with your own children, or on the flip side, someone's up there trying to make a buck, trying to hide their need to make some money from their parents, and they're at a s- strip club, and they look down and see someone their same age as their own dad or brothers, that that's, there's brokenness there, that there's relational pain. Sexual immorality. He says, "Don't even name it among you. It's improper. It's not fitting it's death, it's put off the old, put on the new. And then in verse 4, he talks about not just what we're doing, not just our thoughts, but also our words, all right? Let's read that together, because this one, uh, I think, goes, goes a long way. Some of us may have heard this in different ways. It says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. All right, well, What do we do with that? All right? If you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about our speech and how we use our speech to love and to edify and to, to glorify God and to love others and to build up. And some of us, right, we're looking for that list, right? Well, what goes on this side? What goes on this side? Or we look at, let there be no filthy talk among you. And some of you might even be thinking like, he said orgasm up here. Like, he said sex. That's filthy talk. Like, you know, I'm going to send him an email after, right? Some of us, like, we're looking for this list. We're looking for what fits, what goes here and what goes there, and it's easy, but again, just hear me on this. This fits everything. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can't put him in a box. Amen? He calls you to a relationship of trust, a relationship of continual moment by moment surrender where, you, where he gave you his Holy Spirit to, to indwell your heart and to now um, lead you in discerning in, in, in what moment is this, is this edifying or is this destructive? Or where we were a couple of weeks ago and we talked about our speech, the word used there is like rotten fruit. Let there be no corrupting or no rotten talk. Okay, so a good grid to think through in everything as a follower of Jesus is, is this word or action or relationship in line with my new identity as a follower of Jesus? Is what I'm doing right now reflective of this being a safe place, right? Mr. Rogers, I might be wearing a sweater right now, but I'm all of a sudden acting like broken neighborhoods everywhere else. Or you evaluate? No, is this more in line with, with good? Is is my speech to build up, to 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 again glorify God, to honor Him? Is there safety? Is there building up? Is there life? Is it rottenness and destructive, or is it life giving? Let me check here, because I want to um, help us hit this home a little more. As I was thinking about this, I'll share a, another story that I think we just need to kind of kind of let the cat out of the bag right we need to we need to quit just kind of walking around these things um i grew up in a home some of you know that was not christian i'm the youngest of four boys um pornography was everywhere there's all kinds of reasons broken and sad and i'm not at all like casting blame or saying how could my parents this or that or whatever but just the reality of where i grew up was explicit and every front all right the neighborhood i grew up in it was everywhere and so as I got to be older, about 12 or 13, I was growing in my faith, and I was challenged to read through a proverb a day for a, for a month. In fact, um, I've you know, talked about this with my own kids, and, and there's a lot of warnings in Proverbs, right, about sexual immorality. So as I got older and I read through that, I remember discerning um, this subject that I didn't see explicitly or clearly talked about, masturbation. I didn't find that in scripture, and I didn't hear many sermons on it in youth group or anywhere else, and even in my Christian context, it was like, well, hey, what do we do with this? And but where I grew up and, you know, playing sports and on the street, it was everywhere, right? It was like, hey, there's no shame. We can talk about this or whatever, right? That fits in this category. Well, I remember asking one of my friends whose dad was a pastor, and um, we said, hey, can we, and we were in this, talk about this. Is it a sin? Is it, why would God give us this, you know, desire? And what do we do with this? And well, it's not clearly spelled out in scripture in terms of that word, so, and, and we were talking. We we're like, well, let's ask your dad. And, and it was like, no way. Are you kidding me? Like, that's the last thing I'm about to bring up with my dad. And now I don't want to throw that dad under the bus because I don't know. It was years ago. I don't even, I don't even keep in touch with them. He may have been in a really good place and it may have been all on his son that he didn't feel the freedom to talk to his own dad about that. But that subject, again, that word masturbation, oh man, that's filthy talk well, yeah, in certain contexts, it's destructive, it's rotten, it's tearing down. Yet, let me ask us this question. Why are we okay leaving it in that context, in that category, and yet in church, in godly homes, in relationship between father and son, it's like unheard of that that would ever even been, be talked about. Is that not broken? Is that not distorted? Is that not destructive? Is that not us, us, us accepting a counterfeit currency What would it look like for us to view wholesome, holy, godly, edifying, life-giving conversation not by what words fall where or what words make us squirm or make us uncomfortable to want to talk about it with our kids, right? And instead, we would say, what's for building up? What's for pushing back against the diluted just polluted waters that we're swimming in and drinking in, that we can walk our kids, hear me right now, we can hold our kid's hand and and be unloading the grocery cart, okay kids be quiet, yeah, no you can't have that candy bar and not even notice the headlines that they're reading on Cosmo or whatever, GQ magazine or whatever it is and they're just, we're just letting the conversation and the subject be everywhere else and we wouldn't bring it up with our kids or talk about it in our homes in a godly, edifying, life-giving way. In our redemption communities, when men and women break up, that we would pursue this kind of talk in a wholesome, edifying kind of way. And then lastly, in verses five and six, again, there are things I would love to skip over as a pastor, but there is a clear warning that we've got to look at together. Verses five and six. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes." And this is in many ways the end of the very practical, very specific walking through, put off this and put on this. Okay, next week it's more of a summary. And it ends with this incredibly clear warning. Against these things, the wrath of God is coming. Okay, there are most likely a couple different groups in this room. As we hear a sermon like this, I know there are some of us who hear this and we just kind of chalk it up as another another one of these, you know, oh yeah, I, I went on a men's retreat a couple times. I heard the sex talk. It was, I heard all these things, I heard about porn. I someone read Proverbs chapter five and I moved on. And and we have a cheap understanding of grace. We look at the cross and we understand I am set free, and we just assume, okay, that means I'm free to do whatever I want. That's not free. That's slavery. That's, that's shackles. That's, 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 that's in line with Matthew chapter seven. Hear me right now. When Jesus um, on that final day has people who will stand before him and they will say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this and this and this in your name? Didn't I come to church all the time? Didn't I play on the worship team? Didn't I preach? Didn't I plan a church? God, didn't I do devotionals with my kids all the time? And, and somehow he will still say, um, depart from me. I never knew you well, how does that all play out? How does that play into this? There is a clear warning. It says, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is in idolatry, who is ungrateful, whose whole life and whole posture toward sex and intimacy and thought and word and action is all about me and what I can get and what's gonna meet my own, what's gonna meet my needs and Whenever conviction comes, whenever conversation comes, whenever the spirit uh, speaks and and says, "Hey, this is this is not in line with God's word, with what He has," you you need to put this off. Then and you just blow right through it. You're like, "Nah, whatever," you know. Or sadly, as that goes on, you don't even hear that anymore. You just kind of plow right through all those road signs. If that's you, I pray this is a severe warning this morning that you hear this sexual immorality as a way of life, as an assumption, as something that you just dive into and don't even struggle with or walk with, is a warning that for such people, there is no inheritance in the kingdom of God, in heaven, in eternity, in the good news of what is to come. On the flip side, I know there are some of us here this morning that hear this and are just, it's just we feel like more of a weight just pushing us down further and further. Okay, look at me, you've been struggling. You say, man, since my first memory, since I was six or seven years old, I have struggled with sexual immorality. I, I just, I, from my, whatever I was exposed to, whatever, and God's given me outs, but I just, I hear this sermon and I just feel weight. I feel guilt, I feel shame. Okay, what, what you need to hear this morning is good news, is freedom. Is like we talked about again that, that God's grace, his undeserved favor has poured out for you. Is that your sin, your wrongdoing is as far as the east is from the west. There is a difference between struggling and just accepting as a way of life. If you're someone here this morning who sexual identity or experiences or practices is something you continually walk through and struggle through, The message is not shame on you, try harder, do better, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Just don't look at this, put this filter on, put that filter off. The message is this, is always first and foremost, come before the good news of Jesus. His grace gives the power to obey. Okay, when Jesus was met with the woman who was caught in adultery, I don't know if you've ever heard this story before, but she was caught, all right, Red-handed. She's brought before Jesus, and Jesus has this interaction with her accusers and with her. He asks her, he says, hey, look at me right now. Who who condemns you? Who's left here to condemn you? She looks around and says, well, no no one. And then Jesus says, neither do I. And then what comes after that? What's that? Speak up a little louder. Go and sin no more. That is such a powerful, beautiful picture. Guilt and shame, try harder, do better, never leads to life or to freedom. But the good news of Jesus, where he looks at you and he says, I died for you. I purchased your life. You are now dead to sin. You're alive to new life through Christ." through God's resurrection of him from the dead. In light of that good news, in light of that you never earned it and you can't keep his grace, his love, his acceptance of you, that now sets you free. Amen? It's counterintuitive. But it's true. That's the fuel for obedience, the fuel for, sexual, um, for, for freedom from sexual sin and sexual immorality is God's grace, is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. All right, so as we close, I want to leave you very practically with one more verse. or we'll, Actually, it's a few verses, but one more passage to walk in. It's this. It's from, uh, it's from Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. I'd even encourage us to commit this to memory, to, to share this with one another, to remind one another of this. So what do we do now? What does it look like? Okay, again, hear me. What does it look like? You walk away from this heavy, hot sermon, and it's like, what do I do with this sexual immorality? How do I put off the old and put on the new? Well, this is what that looks like. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you're forgiven, if you're no longer an enemy of God, but a child, a daughter, or son, if that's you, and if you've given your life to Christ, that is you. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The old is gone, the new has come. Christ has died for you. He's called you to be his own. So now go and sin no more. Put off the old, put on the new. Put off sexual immorality and greed and selfishness. And through Christ and his grace and his love, put on love and thankfulness and selflessness. For Christ has given everything and he alone fully satisfies. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Holy Spirit, I don't know what everyone in this room needs to know, needs to hear, and I thank you for that. Lord, we come before you, before your word, and we lay bare before you. We hold our hands up, even as we do when we worship in symbolizing our surrender to you, our need for you, our desperation for you. Lord, we come before you and say, Lord, for those who need to be convicted, I trust that you and your spirit through your word will convict. And it never ends there. You always lead to grace and to repentance and then to go and sin no more. And Lord, for those this morning who have experienced and feel the weight of sin, of sexual immorality on so many fronts, Lord, those who have sinned and been sinned against, Lord, I pray that your grace, your good news would be very real, or that it would lead us to hope, to forgiveness, and to power, or to live all of life all for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.